This is the Hope Church Mill Creek Podcast, and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border, mostly in smaller rural communities. Our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcasts or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening. First Corinthians chapter number 11. <clears throat> how many of you in here, how many, I'm wondering how many of you are in here, um, I should know, with as much as I josh around with y'all, I should know that everything I say is up for attack. I know I should know this by now, because I do it to y'all. I know it's in Christian love, I know. Death by a thousand cuts. Anyway, how many of you are in the room, Luke, don't, how many of you are in the room that have an issue when you sit still, you feel guilty? Man, there's probably more of you in it. I'm not going to ask you like I did a couple weeks ago. How many of you introverts are in the room? And the introverts, what? It was great, great moment. But how many of you, when, you're, when you sit still and you do literally nothing, you kind of feel guilty, you kind of feel bad? You feel like, golly, I need to be. And so, even when we're still... A lot of times, because we feel guilty about that, what do we do? We get moving. We busy ourselves. If we're not doing anything else, we pull out our phone. Because at least we're doing something, right? It may lead to two hours of doom scrolling. But at least we feel better about ourselves. But I submit to you today that you shouldn't feel guilty when you sit still. I'm wondering if we are not addicted to a culture of speed. Go fast. Got to go fast. Got to go fast, 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 fast. More, more, more until we give out. And we have severe health problems. How many of us know that's a real possibility? We busy ourselves so much that we just... So... I'm telling, here's what I'm saying today, and I think the scripture backs me up. I believe it. Matter of fact, we can go into more of it at some other point, but I think we need to learn to slow and to be still. How many of you have had have sat down and maybe you started feeling guilty about doing that, and then interrupting your moment of peace was one of your small, precious children, 
comes bursting to the door. And because you're not busy doing something else, they actually just come and sit with you in your recliner chair. And they just tell you about all the things. How many of you have had that happen before? And how many of you in that moment thought, this is good? How many of you had the same thing happen with a grandkid? And that guilt about busyness went away, right? Being still and communing with other people is good. Go into the average restaurant. You watch people of all ages. We can't even sit there anymore. We have to busy, busy ourselves. We're looking at our phones. We're doing something else. When the people that we love are right across the table, two feet away. But what does it say about us when we can't even be still enough, long enough, to allow God to speak back and put into our souls. You see the word communion. Can you pull that back up? You see the word communion. That's a mashup of two words. Common and union. You look at two human beings who have a common union. Your friends, your relatives, you're talking. You're getting to know each other. That's a common union. Well, when we do communion, we are doing this with each other, but we're doing this with who? God. People run from communion. They don't want the responsibility of communion. <clears throat> they don't like the thought of being accountable to anybody else because, once again, the idol of self-sustainability comes in, and I'm all for it except we have to remember that we're relying on God and we also are relying on other people too because eventually, how many of you know that you get old? How many of us are feeling that? How many of you make more noises now when you wake up than you ever did? We're not going to talk about which noises, but you make noises. Right? When we take some moments, y'all, I love this church. I love having fun. Y'all know that, right? Yeah. Love having fun, love joking, love laughing. You know, it's like my life is that cliche. Live, laugh, love, you know, you see in every person's home. Blast. Hashtag blast. But when we come together for communion, it's not something to run away from. It's not, and I, I hope to correct some ideas today that the, there's, a, there's, a thought, there's a thought that, man, when we do communion, you've just got to have everything right. Well, you've got to have everything put together, and you better not have. And I, I'm hoping when we deal with the Scripture today that we'll become aware it's not about having everything set up perfect in your life because if we really were transparent... And we said, nobody with any issues can come take communion. What would happen? We all just better just stay right where we are. Right? But that's the beautiful thing about communion. Is when we come together, we're not proclaiming, oh, I'm, everything is awesome. We're not saying that. We're saying that He's awesome. We're saying that He's good. 
and because of his blood signified by, you want to take a guess? The juice, the wine. We are made clean. Ain't nothing you've done. How many of us know that whole thing about, you ever ask somebody, hey, are you, um, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? And somebody says something like this, prevailing idea actually. Well, if, I, I, if I'm good enough, cool. If we, were, if we relied on our goodness to get to heaven, how many of us know we would absolutely, absolutely not go? Amen and amen. And so guess what, family? We're in good company today because we're all in the same boat. We're all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all had moments. All right, honest moment. Let's just kick it off right. How many of you have had moments this week this week, that you are ashamed of. Let's get more real. How many of you had something happen, you did something yesterday that you're ashamed of, that is wrong? Hey, guess what? You know the reason we do that? One, to see who's honest. Two, (laughs) no, the the main reason, and, and you may have been peachy keen yesterday. You may have been, you know, an angel yesterday. I doubt it. I doubt it. But the main thing is, is we all are acknowledging that we are all, we are all in this flesh that we have, we are all broken and we are all sinners. And we need a Savior to save us from ourselves, from the sin that is in our flesh. Amen? Now, Last question, and we'll jump into the Scripture. How many of you have learned by the school of hard knocks? How many of you went to that school? You, how many of you graduated with honors from that school? Amen. You teach? I'm a professor. That's a great school. It hurts. But there's also another school. And that is the school of watching someone else make a lot of mistakes. And because you're maybe in a relationship with them or you're a co-worker of that person or maybe they're in your own family, you're sitting back and watching the total train wreck and you just got a bucket full of, well, now I know what not to do. <laughs> How many of you have seen that before? Yes. Right? Yes. Well, we can be glad... Because some of these churches that Paul wrote these letters to were really messed up. And the Corinthian church was a really messed up church. And we learn a lot of what not to do from these letters. So now let's go to the scripture and look in chapter 11 and verse number 17. If you're still with me, say, Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Verse number 17, but in the following instructions, remember Paul's writing a letter here to the church. He's correcting some behavior. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Guys, I'm not commending you. This is not good. What I'm about to tell you, it ain't good. Because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the what? Now, if the Apostle Paul, now, we go to church. We attend church services. We gather together with the body. 
when we leave, we should be a little bit better than when we came. Right? Sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we're down low. We need some encouragement putting back in. Sometimes, how many of us know, we need our toes stomped on because we're off willy-nilly doing our own thing and we need some correction from the Word of God. Either way, when we leave, it, we should be able to say, man, I've either repented or I was encouraged and man, got my eyes fixed on Christ and now whew, I am encouraged because I went. Should that be a prevailing feeling? Yes. Paul says, when you guys, the Corinthian church, are coming together, when you leave, it ain't that way. It's worse when you leave than when you got there. And so me and you should be raising the red flag saying, why? Because that's not the way it should be, right? Right. So let's look. For in the first place, verse number 18, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are what among you? Divisions. And he takes the positive route and he says, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions or divisions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So really that's not so bad. It's like, well, okay, well, how many of us have been a part of churches? And maybe even you see some of it in this one. I hope not, but perhaps you do where, okay, well, there's this group over here and there's this group over here and there's this click and that click and this click and that click. I think if we're honest, none of us can really connect deeply with 100 people, can we? Whether you're an extrovert or whether you're an introvert or whether you like small groups or big groups, when you get to know somebody at a soul level, it's really usually a smaller group of people, right? Right. Well, so he's saying there's different factions, but the factions he's talking about is there's some people that are talking and they're not genuine. They're not genuine believers. And you can tell because when they open the floodgates of their mouth, silliness and things that don't matter is what they are concerned about. Thereby identifying they're not a true believer. Okay, Paul, positive route. Good job. Now, verse number 20, it says, When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Now get ready. Buck your seatbelt. Check this out. You see that? For in eating, one goes ahead with his own meal... Are y'all reading that like I am? One goes ahead with his own meal. One goes what? Hungry. And what does another one do? And this is it, church. <laughs> this is, uh, would you say that something's not right about that? When they're coming together, this is what happened. And so here's what's, here's what's happening. They're treating the Lord's Supper like any other meal. They are coming together, and you could say it's a potluck, but I, I don't know if it's really, but for our, for, for this concept, I guess that's how we have to think about it. They were saying, we'll come together for a meal, and so they brought food, and you know, if they want to do it like that, if they want to be reverent, and if they want to be sincere, and if, if, if they want to be pure about it, I guess there is some way that you could say, okay, well, this, in, in, in the blood of Christ, we, we pray over this, and we are very thankful, and we are honoring over Christ, and maybe you could make it work, but he's saying, that ain't what's happened. You're bringing food, and so the wealthy people who bring the food, like they're bringing enough for them and their family, and then all of a sudden, 
in, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen, bless the food, amen. That family gets over here huddled in a corner and they scarf down their food while there's a poor person who comes in and they didn't bring anything. They didn't even bring so much as a Milo's sweet tea. And these people are over here while this person is starving. And another person really likes the wine too much and they're chunking them little cups back. Well, I'll just leave it there. They're just chunking those little cups back. And they're just taking it in. And he is acting like the weird uncle at the Thanksgiving gathering that's just had too much. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Hopefully you don't. You Maybe you do. And he's, go, and he's getting hammered. Is this reverent? Is this good? Is this what we should do on Sundays? This is showing that this church, would you agree with me now what I was saying earlier? Maybe you didn't know much about this church, but this is just one issue with the Corinthian church. Would you agree they had some issues? Right? If this is what their weekly gathering looked like. All right? Look in, look in the uh, next verse. It says, I love Paul's response First word, verse number 22. What is the first word? What? He was like, so you go ahead with your own meal. Some of you bring your food. You scarf it down. You don't even think enough of the body of God to share your food with somebody who needs it in the church. How wicked are you? How Like, it's one thing to say, well, you know, you, I don't have the needs of my community on my mind, it's a whole different level to like when you're coming to church, when you see somebody who's obviously starving, they obviously have need, and you won't even share your Golden Corral hot roll with them. That's a shame. Those rolls are awesome. And then one gets completely hammered. Would you think there's a reason why Paul's writing this letter? It's because they need a little correction. So I love his response. What? Don't you have houses? Do we have houses? Apartments? Trailers? Do we? Do you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have what? Nothing. Is that what they were doing? Sure looks like it. What shall I say to you? I love Paul's response. I, man, I love thinking about this in today's, in today's culture. What, what Shall I commend you in this? And how does he say it? No, I will not. I love picturing him like, am I going to commend you in this? Yeah, you did some good jobs in these other areas, but am I going to commend you in this one? Uh, no, I will not. Verse number 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was what? Betrayed. What did He do? He took bread. Think about that. In the night that He was betrayed, He knew what was coming. He knew His life was about to be taken from Him. 
He knew that there was dark forces at work and he was about to die. And yet, he still sat down at a table and looked at those he was about to leave and even shared with the one that was betraying him. And he looked at him in his snake eyes and he said, go do what you're going to do. That's the mind of Christ. How many of us do not typically respond like that when we know that we're betrayed? What is our response usually when we're betrayed? Fight back. back. Frustration, anger. Sometimes do we have problems with grudges? Is it good? Jesus looked even at Judas Iscariot and he betrayed, he gave the cup to him and he gave the bread to him. In verse number 24, and when he had given thanks, what did he do? He broke it. So I got this right here. This is what we have in the plates. We're going to do communion a little bit different. Our church is growing. And it was, if I can be honest, a little bit of communion was a little bit of a mess last time we did it. And it's mostly my, I won't say all my fault. Because <laughs> I don't know if y'all know, I'm a little bit messy. <laughs> but we're going to do communion different. We're going to have, um, you know, it's a good thing about sticking with the word of God is that um, as long as we do the ritual, as long as we obey it, we can change it. Like some of the ceremony that we do is not necessarily biblical, even though it's good in some aspects. We're going to have communion. We have it back there on the back wall. We have it back there on that wall. We have it up here and here in just a little while. The kids will come back in here and see you adults and participate if they're believers and all that. And people will come and it'll look a little chaotic for you know a minute or two while everybody goes and gets you know their elements of communion, but it's going to be beautiful as we take it. When Jesus took the bread, I want you to watch this. Jesus took the bread, and what did the Bible say that he did? So as he took that bread, he broke it, and he gave it. Pray tell, what do you think he was symbolizing when he broke the bread. And what do you think when he gave the bread and they took of that broken bread and they ate it too? What do you think he was saying to them and they were receiving? You're receiving me and you're also identifying with me And you, son, you, daughter, are committing to even die like I'm about to die for me. Can I ask you all, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth being talked about on social media? Is Jesus worth giving up A sinful lifestyle? Is Jesus worth 
humbling ourselves and saying, oh God, I've been on the wrong track. Oh God, I've idolized this thing and that thing and this person and that person. Oh God, forgive me. Is He worth that humiliation? He gave the bread. He broke the bread. In the next verse, what does it say? And when he had given thanks, hang on, go back to the last verse. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this, what? In remembrance of me. We'll talk about that in a moment. Verse number 25. In the same way, what did he also take? He took the cup. And what happened? After supper, and what did he say? This is the new covenant in what? Anybody know what the old covenant was? It was the Old Testament law. The Spirit of God, the presence of God resided, filled up a place in the Old Testament tabernacle and temple called the most holy place or the holy of holies. That's where God's Spirit lived. It was behind a veil. People couldn't go in there. Only a, a, the, the most high priest could go in there one time of year if he was right and his sins had been atoned for. Otherwise, if he went behind that veil and he wasn't right with his God, he would die. That's how serious it was. But that was the old covenant. 613 laws they had to keep. They broke the laws. They had to offer a sacrifice. And y'all remember what the sacrifices were? What were the, what were the first sacrifices? Y'all remember? Goats, sheep, lambs cows, doves, if you were poor. But could the blood of those sacrifices take away sin, or did it just cover them year to year? It covered them. It atoned for them. They looked forward to the cross. But Jesus said, this cup is the what covenant in what? New covenant, or the new promise in what? In my blood. What's the new promise? The new promise is that you can have eternal life if you but believe on the name, the holy name, the most high name of Yeshua, of Jesus, of Nazareth. So do you think this communion that Jesus is saying, hey, y'all remember this, do this, do you think it's important? Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse number um, 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, there's a whole section next we're not going to go through, but mentioned it just a minute ago. This is not an attitude. It warns us. It says, now be careful that you don't partake of this if you've got some, some stuff like this going on that what we talked about earlier. It's not saying that, man, if you have any issues whatsoever. It's saying if you've got, man, if you've got open sin and you are not willing to repent, then you do not need to take it. And by the way, I applaud anybody here today. This, this communion, by the way, is open for everyone that trusts in the name of Christ. If you have been saved, if you have been baptized, this is actually much like baptism. Then you participate in this. 
if you have some area of your life and you're like, man, I'm so messed up in this area, it's as simple as this. In just a moment, we're going to take a quiet time. We're going to be still. You reflect and you examine in your heart. Man, do I have some idolization going on? Do I have, some, do I have something? In, oh, man. You take a moment and you simply do this. You simply repent and commit to making that right with your God. That's what you do. Like I said, if, if you wait till you get everything right, you, will, you should never take communion. But we come and we repent. I'm going to pull up a list. I'm going to show you some things, what we do in communion. Here's what we do. We proclaim what? Jesus' death. When you take the bread, when you take the wine, you are saying to everyone here, and you're, even though people out there can't see you, you're saying and keeping accountable to everybody in here, and you're saying, I proclaim that I believe in this man. I believe in the precious name of Jesus. I believe that he really is who he said he was, that his blood was shed, that his body was broken for me, for you, and I don't care come hell or high water, I am going to trust in the holy, precious name of Jesus. He is my guy. That's what you're saying. You're remembering Jesus' what? Sacrifice. He said, this do in what of me? In remembrance of me. What is remembrance? It's bringing it back. It's remembering. Have you ever thought about this? You have remembering and you have dismembering. Think about it. When you remember, think a member is a part of your body. When you remember, what are you doing? You're putting it back together. What do we do daily or weekly? We sin, we mess up, we kind of cause a friction, maybe a schism in between us and our God or us and our people, right? And so we are remembering, remembering Jesus, right? So we remember Jesus' sacrifice. We examine our hearts, very pivotal, we sit and we think and we reflect and we examine and we look in our hearts. God, is there something going on in my life? And usually, you know what's crazy is if we got something pronounced in our life, it almost will come to you. If you ask God, God, show me what's the big thing in my life that I'm not letting go of. Usually it's on the top of our head, isn't it? So we examine our hearts and then what do we do? We repent what does repent mean? It means to turn back. It doesn't mean to say, yeah, God, that's a good idea. I like that idea of me getting this stuff right. I like that, but I'm not ready to do it. I'm not even going to try. Is that what repentance is? Repentance is acknowledging that we have issues. Acknowledging the issue, saying the sin, and then turning back. But then we receive what? Grace. Who in this room does not need grace? Who in this room does need grace? How many of you know if you were to ask your wife, hey babe, I don't ever need your grace, do I? I mean, I'm, I've got it going on. Would she, uh, I don't know if she's ever given you old smackety smack. <laughs> but she know you a lie. Are we all in need of grace? 
in Christ, you are worthy of grace because you are bought by His blood. Amen? We share in Jesus' suffering like we shared with the bread. We say, we're saying to Christ, Jesus, if it comes down to it and they start persecuting me and I lose a job because I believe in you and the morals subscribed in your word, if it comes down to people talking about me, if it comes down even to causing a division in my very home that I live in, I'll do it. Because you're worth it. I share in your suffering, and I'm also looking around. Can you do an exercise for me? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do calisthenics. Can you do an exercise for me? I want you to look to your left at any believers that you see. Just look them in the eyes, lock them in the eyes for this tense, awkward moment. Look to the other side, look at them. Guess what you're looking at? Brothers and sisters who need grace just like you. You're not the only one. How many of you have ever heard the lie from the devil? That, hey, you're the only one struggling. Nobody else. You're the only one, and because you're the only one, you can't tell anybody. And so then you just suffer alone. How many of you have ever bought that before? I have. But you're sharing in his suffering with other people. You are recommitting to Jesus, much like baptism. You ever watched a baptism before? person stands in the water, and then what, is the, what happens? They stand in the water, they, do they stay standing up? What happens? Dunk down in the water, and they come back up. And what basically is that person that gets dunked into the water and comes back up? What are they saying to everyone? I am now not my own. I am Jesus's. Amen? And so in this, we recommit. And then lastly, we anticipate the return of Jesus. He's coming back. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and we say, thy kingdom come. What are we saying? It's coming. It's coming. It is both now, because there are believers amongst us and your soul is eternal. I'm looking at brothers and sisters that I will see in eternity. Isn't that crazy? Like some of us are going to drop our ugliness, and when we get there, we'll look like Brad Pitt. And Angelina Jolie. Not like that. But we will be purified souls. We will drop this body of sin. We will struggle with our cravings and our sinful appetites no more. It will die. And we so we anticipate His return. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It, it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If, you, if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. Or just come by for a service in person, 1030 a.m. Sunday mornings. Address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxboro, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person, and um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you would, kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, For Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.